1: I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host Carol Zerniel, a nationally known gerontologist. Carol serves as the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, also chairman of the board of the National Council on Aging, and selected as one of the 50 leading folks when it comes to aging in America today. That ne- would, that, next Avenue.
2: Next Avenue. The good folks at PBS.org. That's pretty cool. It is. It's a, it's, they, they do some very good work. Now we're going to
1: talk to another person who does great work. Lucy Bearlock joins us in just a couple of moments. Who is a uh, really one of the deans in the caregiving field? Recently honored by the Queen of England for that, her work. That's
2: right. So it's awards, awards. It's it's like it's like the Academy Awards for radio. And of. it's
1: right here on Caregiver SOS on air. So let's talk a little bit uh, about some of the issues uh, that come. into caregiving, and are there things that are taboo to talk about when it comes to caregiving?
2: Well, there was a recent article in Next Avenue from our friend um, Richard Eisenberg, who writes about money and work, Uh, and really, you know, you could look for anything written by uh, Richard Eisenberg, and you will find good information. And the taboo subject that he was talking about is coordinating the finances that you know, they looked at a study um, of caregivers and found that ninety two percent of caregivers are helping manage the money, wow, which was a surprise i mean that was that was a high number for me and and, um, you know, and they may look have at no experience. Every day. Well, that's it. What they're saying is, um, you know, that 92% are, are actually involved in coordinating money. 88% are paying someone else's bills, monitoring their fiscal activity. And the, and the bottom line is most of us are just winging it. I, you know, I know um, my sister and I have helped some older relatives with their finances. And the really scary statistic is that managing money is the first thing to go. There's some more research that recently that shows all of us, as we age, the first thing that we start, start losing in our 50s is our ability to manage money and make financial decisions. Wow. Which is really young. And that ex- that must explain my credit card. No. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and, and this can be a really scary well, thing. Well, I still have
1: checks. Why can't yeah, I keep yeah, writing? Yeah, no, I still have
2: still got checks left. <laughs> I still can't be out of money. I still have checks left. Uh, and so, you know... A lot of these people are taking care of someone with dementia, so I can't just ask you your password for your bank account. Um, And if you are doing financial coordination for your loved one, if you're a caregiver, then, you know, there are all kinds of issues that come up. So one of them is if there's multiple marriages, multiple kids, and sort of the, the... the new American family that's all blended, probably somebody's mad at you right now because you're helping with the finances and someone doesn't trust you. You
1: know, the interesting part about it, I have a friend, woman I've known for years who whose husband died very suddenly. They'd never done what all of us should do and most of us don't, find out where the bank accounts were, what banks they were with, where the money is, what they have, what they don't. Well, he died and it turns out he had dozens and dozens of bank accounts of accounts
2: i know my uh, of which she knew nothing nothing when my grandfather died my mother who was taking care of his finances she was like 3 years later still finding pieces of paper and checkbooks and things from other accounts that she didn't even know existed and was still open. Yeah, and so, you know, getting that list is is very important. Getting those documents in place, that financial power of attorney, you know, and and there shouldn't be an assumption that the person who lives the closest is the person that handles the money. Um, it should be the person who's honest, dependable, um, and pretty good savvy in terms of probably some of the electronic stuff, uh, online, you know, but it also has to be somebody who's persuasive because if you're in charge of the money and you're talking to different banks, you are inevitably, even with that financial power of attorney, someone is going to say, prove it. You know, it is they can make it so difficult. And we've had Carol Birch, who's an elder law attorney on the show, and she will tell you bank with your local bank, not a national bank. You need to move the money to somebody who's local where you are that you can talk to and is
1: going to work with you as you're coordinating these finances. Well, that's the best advice of all, Uh, because some of these large banks, uh, they move people so often they don't get to know anybody.
2: Well, yeah, they, they they move people and, and they don't, you know, there's got, no connection. There's no connection. There's a rule somewhere on a piece of paper um, and you're standing there with your valid legal document and they've been told right or wrong, um, you know, you should have a, lots of caution, don't accept it, ask lots of questions. And it just makes you, wow. um, you know, really, really exhausted. And so and then the other big wall that you hit is medical bills. Who can read a Medicare statement or a medical bill? Nobody. Nobody. It, it, it first you get the pre-statement which tells you what it cost um, and then you get the one it says don't pay this or you don't owe this or you do owe this. I mean you'd never know what am I supposed to pay? What's the insurance come? What's my Medicare covering? What's my Medicare supplement covering? You know who's paying for what? What is it? Am I supposed to pay this? And even if they say you owe it it could be wrong. If it looks wrong, you have to ask questions.
1: Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernial. Lucy Berilak will be joining us in a few minutes talking about Dear Lucy, a new program to be launched uh, by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We'll tell you about that as well in just a couple of moments. Let's wrap up with Caregiver Taboos and, and another one uh, I'm sure uh, is how you share this information with extended family
2: Well you, you do need to to communicate with the family. you need to talk very openly um, about. Um, You know, who's the best person? Make a group decision. You need to find those your parents or your loved ones, medical, legal and financial documents. And if you're not good at this, you need to get help. You know, contact a financial advisor, contact a social service agency that maybe has financial advisor volunteers. Um, and And get some help, you know and and a lot of us you know we feel honored to be caregivers, uh, but I know that money issues are probably the thing that scares what scares us the most and is the one of the single most frustrating things that you can do as a caregiver.
1: Now, in your own situation, your mom recently passed away, uh, and, and your dad is alone now is he able to handle his own finances or do you all have to step in
2: well my dad's 87 and so he's a cool guy he is pretty cool Um, and so he manages most things but every once in a while you know he'll ask for some help now his older brother who's in his 90s um, we do manage his finances he lives in a nursing home and he asked us to manage his finances uh, because he didn't really want the nursing home into his private financial
1: affairs so, you're able to do that. So, we were able to do that. That's cool. Speaking of nursing homes, where is the assistance in assisted living?
2: Well, I saw this title, Where's the assistance in assisted living? And I have to admit, I started laughing because I was like, Really? Somebody else is asking that question? You know, and we're not trying to give assisted living facilities a bad rap because um, they are a wonderful alternative to nursing homes. But. The problem is, is they are very expensive, and they're all private pay. So you're paying fifty thousand dollars a year, and you get charged for absolutely everything in most cases. Oh, you want
1: us to open that bottle? Well, that'll be another twenty bucks.
2: Well, you know, I I was, I, I had the pleasure of touring various assisted <laughs> livings this uh, past year for my great aunt. Speaking of more caregiving, <laughs> and you know, we they run the gamut. You know, here's one that everything's included. Well, then my loved one's upset because, you know, if it's all included, that means I'm paying for more than what I need. And then the other one that's a la carte has a price if, if, you know, she needs to be escorted to the dining room. It's a long ways, you know, from her apartment to the dining room. And maybe she doesn't, you know, she walks, but that's a long distance. So maybe she needs a wheelchair for that particular thing. Well, that was going to run, you know, hundreds of dollars a month. Um, so, you know, there's all these individual items. And so what, what, I guess what I'd like to communicate, and I think what this article is saying, is that you need to get your facts straight. You really need to ask for the schedule of charges, what's included, what's not included. In my mother's uh, assisted living for memory care, the only thing that was included was toilet paper. I'm not even kidding. That everything
1: else you paid everything for
2: everything else you paid for on top of what was not cheap on top of on top of so everything else was an add on wow. so it was the basic room and board you know here's the room and here's the meals base price here's the toilet paper everything You're on your own. else was a line item addition wow. based on how much you know the staff was going to have to do to help and so if you don't know that, you think that you're going to get all this assistance and they're going to take care of her, your loved one and you don't have to help as much. You're only trading caregiving duties of one kind for another kind. You still have to monitor the staff. You still have to coordinate the medical appointments. You still have to make those decisions, you know, about the hospital, not the hospital, where to go when they leave the hospital. So, you know, you just need to know up front that um,
1: assisted living is – has limitations a- and part of the cost is uh, administration of medicines a lot of people coming oh, out oh they of the always hospital. charge you to, ma- to manage right. the
2: meds that's always an additional charge to manage the med even the one that was all inclusive except to manage the medications
1: but and they have to have the medication
2: and they have to have the medications and you have to make sure that they're managing the medications properly that they're you know the right medications right. are going down at the right time based on the dosage because you know, all of a sudden you can find out some med tech called the RN in the middle of the night and they made a decision to discontinue a medication and you didn't know about it. They're not supposed to do that, but those are the kinds of things that happen inadvertently.
1: So you have to really get into it.
2: So, yeah. So, and I would just say, you know, uh, where's the assistance in assisted living? Find out in writing um, and have an expectation that Mm. it's not going to be as much assistance as you probably think
1: going in. Having said all that, are you afraid you're losing your mind?
2: Well, that does happen pretty much on a daily basis. But what I was really happy to hear, because I, you know, I've started, Zoom, I started Zumba class this last year, is that doing aerobic exercise prevents the decline of your, the left side <laughs> of your brain in your hippocampus, specifically the left hippocampus.
1: Pretty important part of your brain. Where,
2: where? That's a memory center. That's where some memory function is. And they've gotten all this new research that shows aerobic exercise keeps that part of your brain from shrinking. So it's not going to make you smarter, but you're not going to lose your mind quite as fast. And you like Zumba? I love Zumba. I love Zumba. So dancing is one of those great things for your brain because it's exercise, moving around, aerobic, and it's you've got to remember the dance steps.
1: She's Carol Zerniel. I'm Ron Aaron. This is Caregiver SOS On Air on 930 AM, The Answer. Lucy Berilak joins us in just a moment. We talk about Dear Lucy on 930 AM, The Answer. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to Well Med Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner. What can folks learn from WellMed Radio?
3: You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life.
1: And it's something that uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio?
3: Well... I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home.
1: Nurse Practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 930 a.m. The Answer Be There. Well, thank you so much for sticking with us here on Caregiver SOS On Air. As we promised, we're delighted to welcome Lucy Berilak to our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. Lucy has a master's in social work from McGill, worked in gerontology in a tri-university program up in Montreal, and she has partnered with WellMed Charitable Foundation in creating and launching the teleconnection program, which uh, we talk about from time to time, and we'll fill you in on that. And, Carol, you can introduce the brand-new program that we have launched uh, a la the teleconnection program, Dear Lucy. Questions for Lucy.
2: That's right. So, um, you know, Lucy has been a partner with us for a long time, and she is, you know, one of the leading experts in caregiving in Canada. So um, we decided who better to, to help answer questions that caregivers write in um, than then Lucy. So, uh, Lucy, tell us a little bit, because we tested this out um, I- around Thanksgiving. So tell us a, a little bit about Dear Lucy, what it's like when people, you know, uh, call in or write their questions. How does all this work? What's, what is mm-hmm. Dear Lucy?
4: Hi. Thank you, Carol. Well, well thanks for coming on. <laughs> the thing is that... Um, I don't know if a lot of people know that Caregiver Month is in November right across the United States. And we wanted to do something to recognize caregivers, and we wanted to hear their voices. So the whole idea behind Dear Lucy is giving caregivers an opportunity to ask questions that they may otherwise be either shy or embarrassed to ask or have no one to ask. And also, not only that, but also give them an opportunity to uh, identify issues and topics that they feel are important to them. So that's how it started. So there was a a flyer that went out, and all of a sudden we received lots and lots of questions uh, for dear Lucy. So how it really, really works, it's quite easy, because caregivers can actually call in a number... Uh, a toll-free number and ask their question anonymously or they can actually email it in so once we got those questions the sessions were set up and sure enough um, I reviewed the questions ahead of time and then were able to answer them during our session can you so share with you- us
1: I'm sorry yes. I was gonna say can you share with us what some of those questions were
4: sure um, You know, before I even go into it a little bit, what's interesting is that regardless of whether a caregiver is caring for someone with Alzheimer's, stroke or any disability or cognitive impairment, it seems that there's a common thread that runs right through um, the issues that caregivers go through. Now, I don't want to, it's not all doom and gloom, there's a lot of reward in caregiving. But a lot of issues that do come up, you know, a lot of issues that, that are very difficult for for people to ask and really don't have the ability to ask. So it can be as simple as, um, you know, how to get my mother to comply with doctor's orders. She gave specific example and she said, example, uh, wearing a mask at night. Or how to get mother to follow house rules, for example, her recent, she recently has been throwing trash on the floor instead of the waste basket. okay? Now, when I saw that question, and then she said uh, that she, her doctor was also concerned about this person, so I answered and basically felt I was very concerned about this person because my first question would be, how long has this been going on? Uh, When was your mother really assessed? So before even answering these simple questions, it sort of gave me a hint that something was going on with this lady. And so we talked about that maybe this lady really needs um, an assessment, uh, a a medical assessment, a a psychological assessment, just to see what's going on. And the other thing is that this lady was basically living on her own. So as we were talking and as I we were, we were looking at all these issues, caregivers themselves responded to this question and had concerns as well, uh, concerns about this care receiver and really was she at risk or not? And so giving her information and sort of looking at that in general. So that was one of the questions that came in the beginning of our first session.
2: Well, I think you know that's. If if you or I were sitting down to write, what kinds of questions would caregivers, you know, write? What would they like to know? There's no way I would come up with, Mom's not throwing the trash in the trash can. She's right. throwing it on the floor. That just would not have occurred to me.
4: Well, that's why I read this one, because it just seems that, this you know, this this caregiver was seeing it in a different light. She wasn't even able to identify that maybe something has changed. The first question is, how long has this been going on? Why is this lady doing it? Is she cognitively impaired? Is her vision off? Can she not see what the trash can is? So many questions that are there. And you're right, Carol. It's not something that we would think about that caregivers would actually be asking.
2: Well, and that's something that, you know, I ought probably also wouldn't ask my physician, my mom's physician. I wouldn't say, why is mom throwing Kleenex on the floor? How come she always misses the trash can? You know, that's that's not a, a medical type question that I would feel comfortable talking to, you know, a medical professional about.
4: Exactly. And, and and the value in all of this is that uh, a lot of the caregivers in the sessions were also very concerned and sort of stated, they said, oh, my gosh, I never thought about it like that. I mean, you know, uh, now that I think about it, you know, my mom has been doing some very strange things lately, and I just thought, I don't know what why why is that happening. So it's a lot of food for thought and really thinking about it and having the caregivers be part of this. And um, and having them having them have an opportunity to express and sort of share information that that they felt is important.
2: Well, I know that one of the things you have stressed over and over again through the years that we've been working together is that caregivers are experts too, and there are very few forums that allow caregivers to be experts so when somebody's on dear lucy and there's other caregivers you know you give the caregivers the opportunity to help you answer those questions or respond
1: now stay with us just a minute i want to remind folks who just joined us you're listening to caregiver sos on air on 9:30 a.m the answer i'm ron aaron along with lucy karolak who is involved in the brand new dear lucy program offered by the well Med charitable foundation and carol zerniel our co-host is here as well uh we want to uh carol's handing me a uh, a little note that says uh when dear lucy airs on the phone correct
2: on the caregiver teleconnection. on the caregiver
1: teleconnection thursday january 11th thursday january 25th 12 p.m central time if you've got questions and uh uh, you want answers, Lucy's going to be able to provide those, and we'll give you more details on how to get involved. It's a free program, by the way, the Caregiver Teleconnection Program. Just go to uh, org, and you can sign up for the program. Sort of.
2: Yes, you can, absolutely. Okay. So, um, so, so we were talking about caregivers as uh, they're being experts in caregiving, too.
4: Yes, for sure. So, you know, when some of these questions are being answered, I sort of ask, I answer them in a general way. But because through the teleconnection, people are from different um, areas and different parts of, of the United States. And one issue came up a lot. Uh, the question was around um, when, when is it time to take away someone's uh, license to drive? And uh, because there was concerns that her dad was driving and he was getting lost and at risk and 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 everyone sort of piped up that that's yeah, we have the same issues, like how do you deal with that and so there were some suggestions that were made as basic as saying to the dad, and that was not coming from me, it was coming from the caregivers. Well, one lady said, "You know that happened to me with my husband, and we basically had to tell him a little lie. Uh, that we had to change the tires of the car so he couldn't drive for now because the doctor was hesitant to, to actually tell him or fill out the form for him to stop driving. It's a big problem, Alfie. not only in the United States, but in Canada as well. And so slowly, they kept saying, he kept saying, well, did you get the tires? No, we had. even though it was a little lie, it sort of was something that she was able to handle and eventually kind of forgot about the car. And so he wasn't putting himself at risk and definitely not putting others at risk. So sometimes it's okay to tell a little lie when you're actually possibly saving people's lives. But at the same time, uh, Tina, who runs the teleconnection, she's a lovely lady, um, we decided that we're going to find out what are the rules in across the United States in the different uh, states. And sure enough, she found them, And then next time when the people joined our session, we gave them the website. So if people wanted to know exactly what are the rules and what what needs to be done when somebody's license has to be uh, taken away. So, you know, these were things that were sort of, they sound simple, but they're not. They're difficult, and transportation is usually very, very difficult to deal with. What's
1: interesting about that, it isn't only the license, it's the vehicle, because plenty of folks will drive without a license, you can get that license pulled, uh, they're still can, get, yeah, and, they still and they're get still going to drive. They still
2: get in the car. You know, I did know yeah. of a family that they disabled the car.
1: My brother did that with my dad's car. He disconnected the uh, distributor cap.
2: Right, so it doesn't work. <laughs> but But I knew one family, they did that, and Dad was pretty savvy and could still fix cars. Oh. He, went, he went back outside and fixed that car. <laughs> so he's like, oh, the distributor cap was, was off, and I fixed Interesting. it. I fixed it.
1: And we heard of another one who got on the phone, ordered a car from his dealer. Yeah, bought, ordered a, new a, new new, bought a new car. Bought a new car. There you no, go. If that doesn't work, on, I'll get a new do one. Do you
2: know Amazon has everything? Just, you know,
1: Amazon.com and order a new car. And with Amazon Prime, you can get it delivered in two hours. <laughs> so you <laughs> got that, that car. car.
4: <laughs> some of those caregivers, yes, yeah, pretty funny. some of those caregivers were saying that now i this is not scientific, but that it's mostly difficult that women give their cars up much easier than men, that it's very, very hard for a man to give up his car well, there's, so I don't know
2: and that. and that I've heard that as well that women give up the car actually too soon. Because they're so scared they're going to hurt somebody. And men give up the car too late where they really put people at risk um, before, you know, they get ready to stop driving. By the time we finally. And that's a uh, generalization.
1: Well, Mm -hmm. in in our family, by the time we finally got smart and my brother disconnected the uh, distributor, my dad in one day had three accidents. In Ah. one day. Now, stay with us, Lucy. We're coming right back to you. Carol yeah. Zerniel has come so far on radio. She's now giving me the sign to throw it to Roland. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel on Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. This is a very interesting conversation. We're talking about Dear Lucy, a program just launched by the WellMed charitable foundation for wellman teleconnection in which lucy berilak who is with us on our caregiver sos on-air hotline talking about the kinds of questions and issues that come before her she has uh, i think it's probably fair to say decades of experience working in caregiving not to date you lucy but you got a lot of years of experience in caregiving and what you and uh, and carol and, and tina smith have figured out is how to use that experience
4: Yes. Thank you.
2: Well, and and, and and Lucy wouldn't say, but you know, when the Queen of England celebrated her Jubilee recently, Lucy was awarded the Jubilee Queen's Jubilee Award for her ex her work in caregiving. Wow! So you know, this is we're we, we're lucky to have her on the radio show, and we're so lucky to have her on the caregiver teleconnection. So I hope that everyone is writing down the dates. For Dear Lucy, so that they can be a part of it on January the 11th at noon Central Time and January the 25th at noon Central Time. And to
1: register for the program, you go to?
2: You can go to caregiversos.org, or you can just call us on our hotline uh, or the customer service line at 866 390 Sorry, my phone is. <laughs> I'm reading this, and my phone starts ringing. Six four nine one eight six six three nine zero six four nine
1: one. Now, Lucy, are you now a duchess or a princess?
4: <laughs> well, I have a medal, but interestingly enough, I could never wear this medal. Only when on the Queen or her representative is in Canada, so it's so, quite
2: so they gi- they <laughs> give it's it to you somewhere. and tell you to lock it up and don't. You can only wear it when the yes, Queen is there.
4: Yes, and not only that, but when I'm no longer here, it has to be sent
2: back. So I hope my kids follow up on that one. Wow! So, what do they recycle them? <laughs> That's very green know. thinking of the queen to recycle her medals, or I won't say what <laughs> it also know. could be. Yeah. <laughs> <I> <laughs> guess the they metal don't want it to serious. end up on eBay. That's the thing. No, they don't want it. On they eBay. don't want it on eBay.
1: That's I it. Now,
4: think so. I right.
1: now is your name engraved in the medal?
4: Um, it, it comes with a plaque where my name is on, and okay. it says why I received it, and it sort of it looks like it's in a frame, like a picture frame, so uh-huh. I'm, I have to actually you know, break
2: the frame to get the medal. But the medal is sitting in there. Great. Yeah. So so someday your daughters are going to go to the wall, smash the frame, right. drag out that medal, and I hope somewhere inside on in the back of the frame it tells where to return the medal. It does, actually. It does. And <laughs> a self-addressed envelope is on the back of yeah. the actual
1: picture frame. Well, Lucy, we got about two minutes left. Uh, Oh, no, we've got 10 minutes left. Sorry. I want to focus on the kinds of questions, but I also want to find out uh, from you, what got you involved in caregiving and and why have you stayed with it all these years?
4: Well, what Carol didn't say is that, um, I mean, I started way before, but I've been a caregiver for my mother for the past 10 years as well. She passed away a few years ago. And when I was in frontline work, working as a social worker many, many moons ago uh, in in, in sort of the um, early 90s, what happened is all of a sudden, you know, we we kind of were calling them family members. And I felt that even though the clients were, my clients were the care receivers, there was something going on with these family members that they were never able to really do anything for themselves. And um, I kind of wanted to know... So other professionals feel that way. And basically what happened was we were invited for a three-day session to look at the whole issue of, uh, we didn't call them caregivers at the time. And we decided we were, we came together about 50 professionals from across Canada. I represented my province of Quebec because I had an interest in the topic. And we decided that that after three days that we need to do something. So we, so we sort of decided to create the Canadian Caregiver Coalition. And so that's where the ball started rolling, and it's been quite an adventure where now people, there's everyone kind of recognizes what caregivers are. But from my own experience, um, I, I lived it. And so it, it became very personal as well, wanting to know. So this is where I got involved with a lot of research. And developing tools, for example, screening and assessment tools for professionals so that caregivers have a voice, have a place in an agency, a healthcare agency, where they're not only seen as, as, um, as, as providers, as doing chores, as expected to do certain things, what some of them are just not able to do. Uh, so that's my story. I like your
1: story.
2: Well, you know, and what I think is interesting is that, particularly in the Canadian system, there's, you know, all the social services have this research component that's attached to it. And while most of us running around accessing caregiver services aren't really thinking about what went into those services, is there science behind it, the more that we, you know, study, really study these issues, find out what works, what doesn't work, Um, And bring in the voice of the caregiver and the care recipient. Uh, You know, we can improve the services and improve, you know, the quality of life for the people that are receiving them. So this is a, it's a really important um, component. And we did research around um, the caregiver teleconnection. Lucy did research around caring voice, which was the precursor to that in Canada, um, you know, before we started these programs. Are
1: caregivers compensated in Canada?
4: well i don't know i don't know what you mean by compensated i mean there's leaves there's certain leaves that are available there's certain tax shelters that are available um there are some programs where uh, a family member can hire someone within the family and get paid for that if that's what you mean by compensated
1: well that and uh the spouse or whomever is is the caregiver uh-huh. getting some kind of stipend Uh, generated by the government to support that work because so many give Uh up outside employment when they become a full-time caregiver.
4: Yes. Well, even though so much has been done, there's a lot more that could be done. That's for sure. That's for sure.
2: Right, and that's, you know, the the issue that we know in the United States that when a caregiver um, quits his or her job uh, to become a full-time caregiver, and it's usually a woman, uh, you know, they lose over three hundred thousand dollars in compensation over their lifetime. over the course of a lifetime in social security and lost benefits, um, and so you know it really has a, a, a multiplier effect. Um, and and so the policy changes is another aspect of the job. And Lucy has you know was the person that said you know we came to us and said what about the human rights issue in caregiving. Um, and we've talked about that in the past.
1: Now, let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of Dear Lucy. Uh, yes. you, you mentioned that people had submitted questions to you. Uh, how, how do they do that? How do, how do they get the questions to you before the uh, program right. airs?
4: Right. Um, well, what happens is if they have, um, if they can use an email, then they email the question directly to Tina, uh, and, and the um, and, and the email that Carol just gave. Right. So they and,
2: and, so to, to email the questions, they can send them to caregiversos at wellmed.net. So caregiversos at wellmed.net.
4: And if not, they can call it in and somebody will take down the question and then the questions get uh, sent to me ahead of time. But I do want to say that I have taken questions just off the cuff. And, you know, I feel very comfortable with it because most of the questions that come in sort of have a similar feel to them. So if I may not know the answers because of, let's say, technical things like what what agencies are available or uh, where they should be going to get this and this, we make sure to let them know at the second session. Or Tina, who's there, is very knowledgeable about that as well. So this is how it works. Uh, You know, we were very surprised that... Um, there's so many questions did come in. Some of them were, I have to say, were so sad um, when I read them and, and uh, when I read them on, online. And, and people sometimes feeling so alone and not knowing where to turn, and especially this one person who wrote in about, um, you know, I, uh, I seem to have purposely dis- distanced myself from my loved one with Alzheimer's disease. And it seems many things I say or do are, are misconstrued and so frustrating. You know, so I did answer this question to this lady. There's many issues that need to be looked at. And basically when I said to, to her that um, if she's gonna be upset or angry, let her be angry at the disease versus being angry at her family member, because, you know, that person is no longer there. But what was helpful was that I was able to also tell her to call her Area Agency on Aging, the AAA, and that there are services and support that she might be able to get so she's not so alone. So, you know, these are the kind of questions that come up, but in general, I have to say that the caregivers that are on the line, they pop in and they sort of really give their stories as well And that kind of helps when someone, especially when somebody wrote, and I won't go into it, I don't know, we don't know if I have enough time, who wrote that she's so angry to have to care for her mother, she feels as if she was forced to do it, and now she's in her retirement age, and this is not how she pictured her retirement, and she says, I feel so guilty about saying it, who can I say it to but to you, because first of all, you don't know me, and I had to get it off my chest. And so my reaction to her was that, you know, you're allowed. You're allowed to feel what you feel. We don't know what your relationship was with your mom before and being forced to do this. So it's like validating, but at the same time trying to find some sort of solution and guiding people along this um, this voyage that they're going through. Well,
1: we're about flat out of time, but I, I, I want to... Turn to Carol. This is one of those ideas that when you hear it, uh, you say, well, why haven't we been doing this all along? It makes so much sense.
2: Well, it does. And so I hope that anybody who's out there or know if you're a caregiver, you know of a caregiver, this is a safe place. This is a place you come. There's no judgment. It's other caregivers. They're going through the same emotions. They have similar questions. So, um, And they're in good hands with Lucy uh, on the caregiver teleconnection. So, I'm um, I, again, I just want to give the dates January the 11th or January the 25th at noon Central Time. And they can call us at 866-390-6491.
1: You can do the number twice on the radio.
2: 866-390-6491. Give us a call. We can give you this information again in case you didn't write this down. You can go to caregiversos.org. Pull down the information um, and, you know, we'll get you hooked up with for, for all the teleconnection sessions, not just the ones with Lucy. Uh, but that's that's, you know, really the goal is to let people know you have this wonderful new program.
1: Now, is there a thought to keep this going? You've got two dates and there will be other dates in the future.
2: We have booked Lucy through um, the first quarter of the year. So, yes, it's an ongoing. Um, and as if we need to add more sessions with Lucy, we'll add more.
1: Lucy, I want to thank you so much. And uh, You're very welcome. Uh, for those in Canada where you live, uh, is there a similar kind of program? Ask Lucy.
4: Well, we do actually have. It, it, it's more over the internet, so that um, it, it's through another program that we we have called Huddle, where people can actually access certain Huddle components, and uh, the dear mm-hmm. Lucy is there as well. Yes. It started there, actually.
1: Cool. Well, thank you so much.
4: You're very welcome. And I have to say, um, I, I can't. I, the Met Foundation, the work that you guys are doing, is phenomenal. You have a lot to be proud of, and I'm so glad to be part of this organization. Thanks, Carol.
2: Thank you, Lucy.
1: Thanks, Lucy. You take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Now, we, uh, uh, when you think of this, we need to let people know about Ask Lucy. Let's, we should do a little promotion for this.
2: Well, we, we should and we will. So we're going to come back and we'll get Lucy on the radio to help us promote Ask Lucy.
1: Thank you very much. In just a minute, Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman on Caregiver SOS On Air, right here on 930 AM, The Answer. You ever wonder what you can learn from listening to WellMed Radio? Hi, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Cora Juke, is here, nurse practitioner, What can folks learn from WellMed Radio?
3: You know, we talk about a lot of things such as chronic disease management, how to manage your diabetes, your blood pressure, but we also talk about social issues such as what WellMed offers and what you can do to improve your health and improve your life. And
1: it's something that uh, you're newer to WellMed Radio, and I get a kick out of working with you. What is it you like about doing radio?
3: Well... I like to make sure that my patients are educated, that they know how to take care of themselves, because I only get a brief moment in time to take care of them in the office, and I want to partner with them and make sure they have everything they need at home.
1: Nurse practitioner Cora Juke, I'm Ron Aaron. You can catch WellMed Radio Sundays at 5 p.m. exclusively on 930 a.m. The Answer Be There. Well, as we promised, Take 10 follows each and every one of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs, and we are joined by Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known psychotherapist and expert not only on addictions, but on the issues that face caregiving as well, Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is here. I'm Ron Aaron. and Carol, once again, we're right up against the holidays. It is Christmas Eve, and uh, for folks who are caregivers, you know, this could be a tough night for them.
2: Well, you know... This will be my first Christmas without my mother, you know, after taking care of her uh, for a number of years. And so whether you have someone that you're caring for that's in a different condition uh, than they used to be um, or whether that, you know, you're post-care giving. You know, I, la- I know last year my mother, it was her first year to be living in assisted living, and we brought her home from cr- for Christmas, and we were very nervous about that. But she had a wonderful day. It was really a wonderful day. She just enjoyed being in the house and, and looking out at the backyard. And, you know, I let her peel potatoes and help me in the kitchen. And you know, so all of that, you know, um, really contributed to her having a good day. But, you know, Jamie, it, it's kind of like that, right? It's that roller coaster. Last year was a really good year. This year she's not there. You know, we we all have these bundle of emotions that we enter the holidays with.
5: Yeah, the holidays are the biggest trigger, I think, uh, for any emotion. If you look in not just uh, with caregivers, but if you look at people in general, depression, anxiety, fear, stress, the, the isolation, being alone, being with family members who you haven't seen or maybe you haven't really communicated well with in the past, uh, the holidays are just a bundle of triggers. And uh, what you said, Carol, makes so much sense, too, uh, that – really the first thing we have to do is to take time to to grieve i mean that's what you're really saying here We, we the losses in our lives come rushing in almost like a tsunami on the holiday and those memories are just like right there so if we can take time to grieve that just means we have to take a respite and take time for ourselves
2: well it may be that we've all watched um you know miracle on 34th street it's a wonderful life we've watched those christmas movies Too many times, and so we have this idyllic vision in our heads of what our holidays are supposed to be
1: like. They have happy endings.
2: Even Christmas Story, (laughs) even Christmas Story, when he almost shoots his eye out, has a happy ending.
5: (laughs) That's the beauty of of Hollywood, right? That that you're always looking and aspiring there. And caregivers, I don't think, uh, 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 when they look at that, obviously they, they have a higher bar to grow to. I think the most important thing we have to really remember as a caregiver during the holidays is, is know your hot buttons, your holiday hot buttons, your, your relatives who you may think are, you know, challenging or toxic or those that just have, have overcome you, you know, overcome your energy in the past.
2: Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I saw all kinds of columns right before Thanksgiving talking about how this year politics could be the one thing that oh. tears your family apart. So in addition to agree. all the caregiving, you know, um, it, it really it really does polarize. Folks are so polarized in the country, and that gets right down to the family level. You need a
1: sign, leave politics at the door.
5: Well, it's so true, Ron. You know, I always say mind your own mindset. You know, that's really the critical piece now, because what Carol says is spot on. And I was just thinking, actually, you know, because it's 1,000 pages to this new tax plan, if there was any caregiver tax credits in this particular proposal in the 1100. No, I'm only kidding. Let's not start politics right now. <laughs> um, but, but do mind your own mindset. Carol's spot on. You're going to be triggered like nothing else. Everything seems to be politicized in our culture. So you want to stay focused on the positives, the things that unite you and not that separate you.
1: How do you do that?
5: Well, you really have to feel good about yourself in the process. I mean, the reflection of the way we approach the world is really seen through our own self-esteem, Karan. So, you know, if we're not taking care of ourselves, if we're not taking our oxygen first, and I don't think there's a better time than the holidays to really look at that, um, then you're probably going to jump right back into that negative place. And and there's nothing like politics to bring us back to that negative place. So um, you mean just taking care of yourself? you know, taking time for yourself, making sure you don't schedule too much or overwhelm yourself or your loved one, Um, just being kind to yourself. And then you'll see things differently.
1: Now, if you just joined us, you're listening to Take 10 on 930 a.m. The Answer, part of our Caregiver SOS on-air program. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. And Dr. Jamie Heisman is with us on our Caregiver On Air Hotline.
2: Well, and you can tell, and in 2017 is going to be the year that everyone remembers that everyone has a voice that sounds like Ron's and Mines. Everybody I know has got a cold it's allergies, cold allergies, something. Yeah. None, none, I, Jamie, you sound pretty good, um, but there's a lot of the the coffee croupy stuff going around this year. So you know what you're talking about, Jamie, is really true. If You know, in particular, you're going into the holidays, and you and your or your loved one has haven't been feeling well. You really do need to be kind to yourself, and that means extra rest. You you really have got to find time to get some additional sleep, however you can do it.
5: Well, there's nothing like stress, eh, to create the immunological system.
1: As you think about uh, the way the world has uh, through technology, through digital through smartphones and dumb phones and all of the devices that we have. Uh, so many folks today feel totally overwhelmed.
5: Yes, Ron, they do. And that stress outlet is not your, your Internet or it's not your phone. In fact, it's, it's walking and talking with a friend or going for a walk or sharing your thoughts with somebody, communicating with them. Um, you know, to me, you have to really detach from this electronic world because it's an can be an isolating world. In fact, what you're saying, Ron, best of all, is is really, you know, plan. Plan to connect in vivo with somebody. And that's really, I say, connect with a support group during the Christmas and uh, New Year's times. It's so important for you to be with others that may not be your family of origin, but may be your family of
1: choice. In vivo is an island in the Caribbean?
5: (laughs) Yes, it is. In vivo feels like an island in the Caribbean when you're a caregiver and not connecting.
1: And the problem really is that personal face-to-face contact. You mentioned, you know, get together with people, go for a walk with someone. How many folks are doing that these days?
5: Carol, you can look at it from, I guess, on caregiver SOS perspective. I'm saying, you know, you have a huge sample of wonderful people to draw from, and to me, that seems like the connected tissue and throughout Texas is a caregiver SOS.
2: Well, I think that what you pointed out, you know, is really true. You know, the holidays. Bring us together oftentimes with our family members, and those are the people some of us don 't hang out with that much <laughs> the rest of the year and so you know and, and there may be a reason for that, so you know it 's important to to identify people who put a smile on your face, who give you energy, who make you feel good about yourself. I have a friend you know that she 's just one of those people it doesn 't matter. You know, what has happened, I always feel better after I've talked with her. And it can just be a brief phone call. She's that kind of a person. And, and you know, she's not a relative. But I, those are the kinds of people that we, we need in our lives. Maybe we're going to have to tough it through the holidays. Maybe this is going to be difficult. But you know at some time in the near future, connect with someone who gives you energy, who makes you feel good. Well,
1: I've heard Jamie use the term families of choice
5: families of choice are wonderful we can actually recreate what we always wanted in our lifetime on our own you know and that can be found in faith-based communities that can be found in caregiver sos hospitals that volunteer you know opportunities uh support groups and whatnot but before the segment ends i just wanted to say that caregiving often is associated with perfectionism and when you get around your family you know perfectionism is not the goal of the holidays those triggers from our family of origin if you will that a child we start really harping on uh, Just remember, perfectionism is not it around the holidays. Joy is. How's that?
1: And the search for perfectionism, very often it's the caregiver putting that on themselves, is it not?
5: It is, Ron. And, you know, we say often, and you've heard it from me, that when you Get controlling in your life. You're probably most out of control in your mind, and what perfectionism is is trying to control those things in your environment. So if you're starting to become that way or somebody's reflecting to you that you're becoming like that way, take time. Go find a way to connect. Uh, Move away from the situation. Find a therapist over the holidays. There's a great idea.
2: Well, you know, what I hope is that people will don't take yourselves or your relatives too seriously. You know, do give up all of that perfectionism. Whatever happens, happens. Um, it's Christmas. It's Hanukkah. It's Kwanzaa. You know, it's, a, it's it's a special time, even if it is that minute inside yourself that you recognize it's that special time of year.
1: Got to stop you right there. Let's not forget Boxing Day coming up as well. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernial and Dr. <laughs> Jamie Heisman. That was a delayed <laughs> laugh. Thank you, Jamie. You're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. Thanks for joining us on 930 AM, The Answer.
0: You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Email suggestions and comments on this radio program to radio at wellmed.net. And join your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zerniel for another edition of Caregiver SOS On Air.